It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. You know, every morning, Cheryl and I deal with this major annoyance in our life. It's our cat, Tigger. Now, Tigger's about 14 years old or so now, and he's getting old and grumpy, and kind of his behavior is getting a little weird. And for whatever reason, very early in the morning, he will come to our bedroom door, lay outside of it, and just incessantly meow until he gets our attention. Maybe it's that he decided he's hungry and wants to eat. Maybe he just needs a little attention. Normally what I do is I come to the door, open it, shoo him away, and that is good for a little bit of time until he comes back once again, pestering us at the door. Well, our situation with Tigger is a lot like the story of this widow and the judge in Luke chapter number 18. And so Jesus, on the heels of speaking about his second coming in chapter 17, gives us a lesson of prayer and faith in chapter 18. And the chapter begins, and it says in verse 1, And he spoke a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Good lesson, right? And then he gives us a story to undergird this um, teaching. He's saying, there was, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So you got this story, and you got this widow, which in the culture of that day would have been a very desperate place to be. There was no social safety net, no social security, no benefits, no Medicaid, none of Medicare, none of these things. And so this woman in desperation comes to this judge to give her justice for something she was going through, an adversary, which we don't know what it was. Um, But the judge just doesn't really want to deal with this widow. And he doesn't owe her anything. He doesn't feel like he owes God anything. And so this judge is stating kind of his sense of absolute power. I don't fear God. I don't fear this widow. I have no outside compulsion to help her whatsoever but because she is wearing me out, I'm gonna do this. I am going to help her. So Jesus is giving us this story in the context of verse one. Don't faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then basically he gives us a here's why in this story. And so what we see here really is that the difficulties of life can erode our confidence in God if we're not continually reminded of his good character. You say, well, that judge in the story didn't have a very good character. Well, the first thing I want you to understand is God is not the judge. So the purpose of this parable is not to make God synonymous with the judge. It's actually to contrast God to the judge. The judge in this story is unjust. He's uncaring. He's selfish. 
Well, in comparison to that or contrast to, his un, in, uh, to this man being unjust, God is just. He's a just God. It's one of his attributes. In contrast to this judge being uncaring, the Bible reveals our God as a caring, a, a loving God. And in contrast to this judge only acting out of selfish motives, the Bible reveals God as acting out of gracious motives. So we have the unjust, uncaring, selfish judge in contrast to a just, caring, and gracious God. So the story is not intended to paint a picture of God through this judge, but to paint a picture of God in contrast to this judge. Now, like the judge, God does sometimes delay. This judge delayed, delayed, delayed. Sometimes God delays. Because in verse 7 it says, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him? And then it says this, Though he bear long with them. So it does say here that sometimes God bears long with us. In other words, sometimes God has purposes in his answer that don't align with um, man immediately jumping at our, our beck and call. Um, God sometimes delays, sometimes he bears long. I was thinking over in Revelation chapter six and verse 10, and it, it talks about the martyrs that came out of the tribulation and it describes them as souls under the altar. And they're crying out to God and they're saying, how long, oh God, will you not avenge our blood on the earth? And God has every intention of avenging their blood. God has every plan of doing it. But his answer is not this second, not right now. You see, because God has plans at work that sometimes we don't understand perhaps the part we are playing in the bigger picture. And so God does sometimes delay. But why does he delay? Well, the unjust judge was delaying out of pure selfish motives. I just have no reason to help this woman. I don't feel any conviction from God. I don't feel any compassion for her. I'm just delaying because I don't want to deal with it. Well, see, on the other hand, we see in Scripture that God's delays are not unintentional. God's delays are oftentimes um, for our growth, for our good, right? All things work together for good to those who love God. So it's for our growth. It's for our growth in faith, which is really um, the theme of this chapter. When we get to the end, it says, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? So this parable of prayer is also a story of faith. So the judge delayed selfishly, but God's delays are intentional. You see, having an understanding of the God of the Bible, having an understanding of how he works actually allows us to better understand um, the outcomes that will, will be there for our prayer and helps us in our praying. So now I will say this, God is not like the judge, but he sometimes delays but I'm not saying that God does not derive any kind of benefit from our prayer. We think of prayer typically as the benefit that we get, right? Asking and receiving. And so the prayer is what we're getting from God. Have you ever stopped and thought, um, what does God get out of our prayers? There's definitely um, many things he does. Like I thought about this, this, this whole story is about faith. Um, and it says over in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, without faith, it, it's impossible to please God. So God benefits um, from our faith. Our faith pleases him. Well, how about when God answers our prayer and we're praising him to him? 
You see, our praise glorifies him. Our faith pleases him. Our praise glorifies him. And then what about when we go and brag on God to others because what he's done? You know what? Our testimony reveals him. So God does benefit from our prayers. Um, It pleases him. When we have faith, it glorifies him. When we offer praise, and it reveals him when we tell others about God. So I'm not trying to paint a picture here of somehow that God is on the opposite end of our prayers and that it's just this stoic, non kind of benefit to him and it's only a benefit to us. No, absolutely, we benefit from prayer, but God also does benefit from prayer. So there's relationship involved here in our prayers. Um, We share in the benefit um, out of his love for us. But that's not to say that he does not have a benefit. Now, in this story, the judge, God is not the judge, right? So that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is God is not like the judge. The real example in the story for us is the widow. You see, it's the widow's faith here that's being commended, not really the unjust judge's answer. Um, Her faith is being commended because in spite of every insurmountable obstacle, Man, she just kept going. She kept persisting. Now, as I mentioned, in the culture of that day, this widow would have been desperate. This widow would have had no recourse, no help, um, no one that could have went to bat for her. Obviously, it appears that uh, there was no other family to defend her or take care of her. So she goes to this judge, this magistrate. But here's something I think that's important for us to realize in the story is this widow had no other option. She had no other recourse but to go to that judge. And I've heard people preach this and say, we need to be in that same position where we have no other recourse but God and that we pray desperately. And although I understand that, and I don't think that's necessarily a falsehood, um, I think there's something we have to take into account. We're not exactly like this widow in that in our culture, in our situation, we do have other options and we have credit cards in our wallet. We have people we can ask for things. We have a government that hands out benefits. Now, they all may be uh, second-rate answers than to an answer from God, but what I want you to understand is we do have other options, and we have to think about that in relation to our faith in God. You see, she's this example of the faith the Lord desires to find in us when life is difficult, when life is hard. Because as, you, as I said, this whole story on faith is on the heels of the last thing he said in chapter 17 is about his coming when Christians, um, when people would be facing difficulties on the earth. And so I think the context is praying in time of difficulty. This woman has an adversary, so she's going to this judge um, in a desperate situation. So when we pray, what do we learn? This woman went to this judge because it was absolutely the only recourse she had. This is a judge that's not like God. This is a a judge that doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about this woman. So what God is saying is if this desperate woman can be so faithful and depending upon this judge who really doesn't even want to help her, man, shouldn't we come to God with our own faith, knowing that he's so much better than this judge. He's not unjust, he's not uncaring, he's not selfish. And so really the point is, God 
is in a much better place for us to come to than this judge is. We are actually in a better place to come than this widow is. So how do we come to God? What really inspires us to this? Well, first of all, when we pray, I think we pray intelligently. In other words, you need to have a good understanding of who God is. And I think it's a great mistake for people not to um, try to have a better understanding of God. When we read our Bible, when we hear a sermon, when we're listening to Bible teaching, one of the things we really ought to be trying to do is have a better understanding of God. I think a lot of times when we approach, approach the word or a sermon, what we're really wanting out of it is inspiration. And, and there is inspiration in it, but let's not discount the importance of, importance of information, not just you know heady information, but information about God, that God is just, that God is caring, that God is unselfish, that God is, um, does have a plan. So praying, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Why? Because we need to have intelligence in our prayers. We need to know that the God we're coming to isn't like this unjust judge. He's the God that's revealed to us in scripture. We pray intelligently and we do pray persistently. Um, we should have persistence because sometimes God does delay, but his delays are not without purpose. So we do pray persistently, realizing that God is not ignoring us, but that God is building something in us and God is accomplishing something for his kingdom's sake. And we happen to be a part of that. So we pray intelligently and we pray persistently. But I think this is something that we need to really think about. We have to pray purposely. And, and what I mean by that is this. This widow really only had one choice. Go to the judge. And as I said, we have a lot of choices. You know what? I have a need today. I can whip the credit card out of my pocket, right? I don't have to pray. I can use that. I have a need today. I mean, I have friends that can help me with my needs. I can go to them and talk to them and call on them. I can call the church and tell them, hey, I need some groceries. I need whatever. See, I can go to that before I go to God. I can go down and apply for some kind of benefit um, from the government. And you know what? I can get that. The woman had none of these things. She had one choice, one route. It was this unjust judge. So we have to go purposely to God because there's a lot of other options put in front of us that can actually undermine our faith. So we have these good things that actually can be bad things when we prioritize them in place of God. So we pray purposely. She had no other choice. We do. You see, we have to choose on purpose to go to God. That's the point of the whole story. We pray in faith. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Well, why wouldn't he find faith? Because all these people believing him have credit cards in their wallets and they got friends with means and they got a government that can help them with their needs. And so Jesus says, are they somehow, maybe not intentionally, um, benching me in the game of life? Because they have all these other things that can work for them. So when Jesus comes, will he find faith? So the word for the day is this. Although we have many options of having our needs met in this life, we must prioritize our dependence on our God, knowing that he is a good and interested father in all of the issues of life that we face. So I pray when the Lord returns for us, he finds faith in us and we're looking for him 
and not so distracted by other things meeting our needs that we have come short in our relationship with Him. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.